Hello, and welcome to Bedrock, a podcast on Earth's earliest history. I'm your host, Dylan Wilmeth. Episode 25, The Oldest Rock on Earth. If you're just tuning in, you might be surprised that it's taken 25 episodes to reach Earth's oldest rock. You'd expect them to appear at the very beginning. If you've been around this whole time, you'll know there are a few reasons for this. The first 600 million years of our planet's history have been erased from its memory. To be fair, you probably don't remember when you were a baby either. Any rock laid down in Earth's earliest days has been ground to sand or melted into magma, fuel for younger, fresher rocks. In a few lucky cases, a tough crystal from one of these early rocks can survive the journey. The best examples are zircon crystals from the Jack Hills of Western Australia, though others are scattered around the world. These morsels gave us a lot of info about the Hadean world from Season 1, but there's only so much they can tell us. On that note, let's return to today's episode. What is the oldest rock on Earth? We're currently sitting four billion years ago, February 15th on the Earth calendar. As we learned last episode, four billion marks the beginning of a new chapter. Season 2, the Eoarchean, a chapter defined by Earth's oldest rocks. Today, we'll learn where the oldest rock was found, what type of rock it is, and exactly how old it is. Without further ado, let's break out our hammers and do some digging. Part 1, The Surveyors Canada is the world's second largest country, with 9 million square kilometers of land. That's a lot of rock to research, and it's taken a long time to catalog. Last episode, we met Sir William Logan, who founded the Geological Survey of Canada in 1842. The survey is still around today, and has many functions to protect Canada's environment, to search for economic resources, and to protect citizens from natural hazards. Many surveyors walk the land, making measurements and collecting field samples. One goal of a field survey is simply to learn what's below our feet, what rocks are there, and how old they are. After Logan's time, Canadian geologists headed north and west, slowly mapping the country over several generations, our story begins in the 1980s, 140 years after the survey was founded, and thousands of miles from Logan's stomping grounds. In the middle of this region sits the Northwest Territories, a land of vast pine forests, windswept tundras, and many, many lakes. In 1981, the Geological Survey sent researchers to the heart of the Northwest Territories. Their goal was to map an area more than 100,000 square kilometers, as large as Connecticut or Jamaica. 
several First Nations live in the area, most belonging within the broader Diné community. The nearest town was dozens of miles away. Mapping this expanse took nearly a dozen researchers and seven summers to complete. Most of the mapping was done by just three people, Janet King, André Lalonde, and Marc Saint-Ange. Together, these researchers would hike mile after mile through the Northwoods, identifying any rocks they found and putting them on the map. This sort of work has its ups and downs, I can tell you from personal experience. I haven't worked in the Northwest Territories, but I have done similar exploration in remote northern Ontario, being flown into the woods by bush planes far from the nearest settlement. The thing about forests is, there's not a lot of rock to observe. All those pesky plants get in the way. You can hike for miles without seeing any rocks at all. You're left with isolated windows of stone peering up at you through a sea of brown and green. At the end of a sweaty, mosquito-filled day, it might seem disheartening to put just a few isolated dots on a huge map. However, these points turn into a sort of game, like connect the dots, trying to solve what story these rocks are telling us. To me and other geologists, the rewards are worth it. The excitement when the story starts to make sense a quiet lunch on a canoe in the middle of a huge lake, the cry of the loons under the Milky Way. It can be a tough job, but it's one of my favorite parts of geology. Year by year, piece by piece, the Geological Survey connected the dots across the Northwest Territories and pieced together a much larger picture. So what did they find, and how old were these rocks? The geologists found ancient lava flows, beaches, and even fossilized bacteria, stuff we'll see in Season 5. But in a few spots, much older, gnarlier rocks peeked up from below. These rocks had clearly been squeezed and tortured into completely different shapes. Before these rocks could be dated, geologists had to figure out what they were originally, and how they had changed over time. Let's join them and put our noses to the grindstone. Part 2. Under Pressure Way back in Episode 2, I introduced three recipes to make a rock. Here's a quick summary. One recipe starts with lava or magma and cools it down into a solid mass. As you can imagine, these rocks form around or under volcanoes. They're called igneous rocks, from the same word as ignite, or to set on fire. The best igneous examples are granite and basalt. Recipe 2 starts with smaller pieces in water, pebbles, sand, mud, or crystals. As these pieces are buried, they're squeezed and cemented together into a solid rock. Such rocks usually form in oceans, lakes, and rivers. They're called sedimentary rocks, since they start with loose sediment. Sandstone and limestone are great examples. 
Finally, you can take one rock and pressure cook it into a completely new rock with different minerals and textures. Such rocks usually form deep underground, squeezed by mountain building or cooked by nearby magma. They're called metamorphic rocks, just like a caterpillar morphs into a butterfly. You don't hear about metamorphic rocks every day, but we'll fix that soon enough. All Eoarchean rocks in Season 2 are metamorphic. As you can imagine, the older a rock, the more likely it will be squeezed or cooked into something else. But some rocks are more cooked than others. It all depends on the original rock, how hard, how hot, and how long it was cooked. Earth's oldest rocks are at the extreme end of this metamorphic pressure cooker. When rocks are buried more than a few kilometers deep, pressures become greater than the deepest ocean and hotter than a tandoori oven. Rocks that are left down here for millions of years begin to warp and twist into completely new shapes. To see how, let's put a granite down here and see what happens. A piece of granite has crystals of white, black, and pink randomly scattered around. Check out your kitchen countertop or walk around your local city to find a good example. If we place this speckled granite deep below the surface, several things start to happen. If pressure is applied in a specific direction, minerals begin to rearrange themselves. Some crystals are stronger and hold under pressure. Others are more pliable and contort themselves to fit in. Lighter and darker minerals will separate into distinct layers as they're squeezed apart. If we bring this rock back to the surface, it no longer looks like a granite anymore. Instead of a random speckled pattern of pink, white, and black crystals, those minerals have now been contorted into dark and light stripes, like a zebra or a tiger. The rock is so different that we must give it a new name. Nice. That's G-N-E-I-S-S, -S, from an old German word meaning spark. The first and last time we met Nice was in episode two. There. I mentioned that the oldest rock on Earth was a gneiss, which brings us back to Canada. As the surveyors walked across the Northwest Territories in the 1980s, they found a wide stretch of striped gneiss the size of London or Los Angeles. This gneiss was centered on the Acasta River, so they called it the Acasta Gneiss Complex. Janet King alongside her survey colleagues, is credited with finding and describing the Acasta Nice Complex, earning her PhD from Queen's University. Most folks refer to these rocks simply as the Acasta Nice, but that's not exactly accurate. There are actually three different flavors of Nice in the Acasta area. Each of the three Acasta Nices tells a different story about a different Eoarchean rock. We don't have time to get into those stories today, but here's a primer for next episode. 
The three nices in the Acasta complex are a dark nice, a pale nice, and a blend of the two. All three were once igneous rocks, forming in magma chambers deep underground. We'll learn more later, but for now, keep the idea of a molten hot pocket in your back pocket. To finish out our story, let's learn just how old the oldest rocks are. Part 3. The Shrimp Strikes Back As Janet King and the other surveyors first walked across these different gneisses, they didn't know they were walking on the oldest rocks on Earth. They just knew these rocks were older than the other rocks they saw, and it was worth asking their age. To do so, they needed to search for zircon crystals. Now, we've talked about zircons and their use as timepieces twice on the show, in episode 3, The Dating Game, and in episode 10, The Oldest Thing on Earth. Here's a 30-second summary. Zircons are tough crystals that form in molten magma chambers deep underground, just like the parrots of the Acasta Nices. As zircons crystallize, they trap uranium atoms, which slowly decay over time. The less uranium in a zircon, the older the crystal is. Usually. Zircons can develop cracks and extra layers which complicate this story. To get the best measurements, you need the best equipment. Alright, with that recap, let's return to the Acasta Nice. One of the later surveyors, Samuel Bowring, was an expert in dating zircons. When the project began in 1981, Bowring was a PhD student in Kansas. A decade later, he would become a geology professor at MIT in Massachusetts. In 1989, Bowring, Janet King, and their team published an article in the journal Nature, the highest place a geologist can go. Inside one of the pale acastanices, the team found zircons at least 3.84 billion years old, February 28th on the Earth calendar. But they didn't know exactly how much older they were. For that information, they needed the best equipment possible. They needed a shrimp. In episode 10, we met a team of Australian researchers led by Bill Compston. Their goal was to hunt down ancient zircons using a new machine nicknamed the Shrimp. The Shrimp had already made waves by discovering the oldest crystals on Earth, the Jack Hill zircons in Australia, more than four billion years old. Note, the Jack Hills has the oldest crystals but not the oldest rocks. The Jack Hill Zircons, while incredibly important, have been displaced from their original homes. They first formed in magma chambers, which cooled into igneous rocks like granite. These rocks were eventually ground down into sand, with only the tough Zircons surviving. 
in the Acastanice of Canada, however, that last step didn't happen. Sure, the Acasta rocks were twisted and contorted into gneiss, but they were still solid rocks, larger pieces of the ancient world. In short, if you could give an age to an Acasta zircon, you could give a date to an entire rock, something you could grab with two hands. Boring teamed up with Bill Compton and Ian Williams in Canberra, feeding Acasta zircons to the hungry shrimp. Just one month after his nature paper, Boring pushed the Acasta date back to 3.96 billion years old, February 18th instead of 28th. A decade later, in 1999, the same team would push even farther back to 4.03 billion years, February 12th on the Earth calendar. However, they were just beaten to the punch by, of all places, the Geological Survey of Canada. Richard Stern and Voter Blaker were not from the original 80s field crew, but had something that crew didn't, a brand new Canadian shrimp machine. The different machines looked at different rocks, but found the same age, 4.03 billion years old. In future episodes, we'll learn that the Acasta Nice has a complicated, tortuous history, and that just one stone can have pieces with very different ages and stories. It's not correct to call the whole thing four billion years old, but we can say that the oldest pieces are. The other pieces are stories for a different day. Summary The oldest rocks on Earth are two samples of gneiss from Canada's Northwest Territories in the lands of the Diné people. Both samples are made from thin bands of black and white crystals, resembling a barcode at a grocery store or a zebra. These samples were first formed as magma cooled into granite-like rocks deep underground, which were then buried and pressure cooked into striped gneisses. The original magma chambers cooled 4.03 billion years ago, February 12th on the Earth calendar. Now that we know the age, location, and name of Earth's oldest rocks, it's time to learn more about their stories. Next episode, we'll meet the different types of gneisses in the Acasta area and learn how each might have formed. Thank you for listening to Bedrock, a part of Bee Giants Media. If you like what you've heard today, please take a second to rate our show wherever you are. If just one person rates the show every week or tells a friend, that makes us more visible to other curious folks. It always makes my day, and that one person could be you. You can drop me a line at bedrock.mailbox at gmail.com. See you next time.